Hello and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Ryan Suzuki. Good morning. I was trying to think of how to intro this whole morning and really tie like a real tangible, real story with what we're talking about in Scripture today. And I was talking with Pastor Danny, and, I was, and he was saying, well, what would it be like? Just make up a story and, you know, just try to fl- help, me, help me flesh out what it is, and maybe I can think of one. And I said, okay, it'd be like if someone was a believer and they were accused of a crime, and they were, you know, guilty of a crime, they go into prison, and instead of being sad and sulking, they went and really helped people out and ministered to other prisoners and made, like, prison the best place it could be. And Danny said, that sounds a lot like Chuck Colson. Does anyone know who Chuck Colson is? If you were born in the 70s or were alive in the 70s, you may know who he is. I didn't know who he was as I was not alive in the 70s. And I looked into this guy, Chuck Colson. He's a pretty amazing guy. And actually, we have ties to him here at Neighborhood Church, which surprised me too. Chuck Colson served as special counsel to President Richard Nixon. And he was involved in the cover-up of the Watergate scandal. And he later went to prison for it. And so in 1973, the kind of the heat was on. And it was, the, the, the whole thing was kind of like being blown wide open. Chuck Colson stepped down, resigned his position as special counsel to, uh, the White, at the White House. He went back to private practice. And later, in, the, in August of 1973, he was spending time with a friend. And this friend shared Jesus with him, told him about the gospel, told him about his need for salvation, that we're all sinners. And God sent his son to die for us, to forgive us our sins and give us eternal life. And he read to him from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, great book, amazing book, a, a section on pride and God's opposition to prideful hearts. And Colson was shaken. He was cut to the heart. He had heard the word of God and it changed him forever, and he gave his heart to the Lord. Incredible. But a few months later, early 1974, he found himself pleading guilty to obstruction of justice and going to prison for seven months. And while he was in prison, God gave him a heart for those people that were around him, his fellow inmates, these other guys that were in prison for various crimes, and he saw, these guys are just like me. I'm just like them, except I have a Savior, and they still need one. They haven't heard about Jesus. They haven't received Jesus. They haven't received grace. And so he started sharing his faith. And when he got out of prison seven months later, he started a ministry, an organization called Prison Ministry Fellowship. Perhaps you've heard of it. Um, One, you may have heard of it because we partner with them every single Christmas, Angel Tree if you participate in Angel Tree, we bring presents, gifts at Christmas time to children whose parents might be incarcerated. And Colson devoted his life to loving inmates, to making sure that they wouldn't reoffend, to making sure that they heard the gospel, that they experienced the love and joy of knowing Jesus Christ. They train men who are in prison to be pastors and leaders when they leave that place. And you see incredible transformation that he, and Colson loved a group of people, prisoners, who are usually marginalized, ostracized, and pushed away and out of our society. And he loved them, and he sought them just as God loves them. And for us, it's the same. God has given us something so similar. He's called us to love the world. He's called to love and seek the peace and prosperity of the cities and communities and towns that we find ourselves in. 
And it's that love, that showing of the love, we share the gospel. We show the gospel and serve others. And here's what I have for you today. It's your first blank. Here you go. We're already there. We must show God's love to a world that is starving without love. We must show God's love to a world that is starving without love. And so today, here's what I want from you. Here's what I'm asking for the next few minutes. I want you to be open. I just want you to be open to the idea that God can use your service in our community and in our world to show the world God's love. God's going to work. Just consider the fact that God might be able to use you in the way that you serve others to show others his love. And if you do that, if you let God use you, you're going to change, God's going to use you to change the world and change lives and transform people's hearts in his name. Let's pray and we'll dive right into the scriptures. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you have a mission for us, have something for us that we can go in love and seek the peace and prosperity, the welfare of the communities we find ourselves in. And in doing that, we have an opportunity to share your gospel and see our world transformed. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And here's your second and last blank, all right? So then you can listen the whole rest of the time. And the second and last blank, the way that we love and show this love and model God's love is by loving your neighbor and loving your enemy. Love your neighbor, neighbor and love your enemy. And if you have your Bibles, or if you have the book rack Bible, open up to Jeremiah chapter 29. I looked it up last week. It's page 1220, 1,220. Jeremiah, and let me as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little background information on what's happening here. See, the people of Israel had been exiled. There was an exile from their land. They're out of the nation of Israel, and there was just a lot going on in Israel. They had broken up into two kingdoms. There was a type of civil war and conflict. There was the northern kingdom, which was called Israel or Ephraim, and the southern kingdom called Judah. Israel, all its kings were evil, opposed God, worshipped other idols, led the people to worship idols. And God disciplined them by sending them into exile to to Assyria. The Assyrians came in, conquered the land, brought the people, took them into exile. Now Judah... southern kingdom of Judah, they fared a little bit better. A couple kings, people like Hezekiah and Josiah, they actually loved God and worshipped him and followed him and led the people and destroyed altars to other gods. But unfortunately, a lot of the kings of Judah did not follow God and led the people into idolatry and all sorts of ungodly behavior. And God exiled them too. And he sent the Babylonians. The Babylonians came in. They destroyed the temple, conquered their land, and brought the people to Babylon. Now, the Babylonians, when they came and conquered you, if they came and knocked on your door and knocked down your temple and dragged you off, they didn't just enslave you. They didn't just throw you in prison. What they did was they tried to uh, get you to integrate into their society. You see that in the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these Jewish men who were brought into the kingdom of Babylon and set up and given high positions, they were trying to get them to integrate into their society. That was their ideal. And so in Jeremiah's day, when the people are in Babylon, it was very popular for, for elders and false prophets to say, okay, we're in the land of our enemies. So here's what we need to do. We need to gather up together, hold tight, 
Get together as a community of Jewish people and of Israelites. Get together. Don't, don't talk to the Babylonians. Don't hang out with the Babylonians. Don't work for the Babylonians. Just hang tight. Don't have any more kids because God's going to rescue us and bring us out of this place. So don't worry. Just stay away from the Babylonians. But God, that was not God's message. And Jeremiah gives us what God actually wanted the people to do in verse 4 of chapter 29 of Jeremiah. This is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says to all those who I carried, the other word, in other translation says sent, there's a lot of sent language, who I sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Imagine what this was like. You are happy at home, in your homeland where you grew up. You can worship at the temple of God. And the Babylonians come in. They destroy the temple, drag you out of your, you and your family, everyone you hold dear, out of your country into another country. Of course, your instinct would be, I don't want to hang out with these guys. They're mean. They, look, they destroyed my home. They've ruined my life. And yet God says, instead of hating them, Instead of running from them, instead of hiding from them, I've sent you there. I've sent you there, and I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of the cities you find yourselves in. Tell them who I am. Show them my nature. Show them my love for them. It's radical. It's radical. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. And yeah, we learned, we've learned, salt should be distinct. We're supposed to be distinct. We're supposed to be different. We're not of this world if we are called children of God. And so we need to be distinct. But we also are scattered. Pastor Randy last week, scattered. We're all over the place. We're taking the gospel wherever we go, wherever God sends us. But salt, it's also integrated. It becomes a part of what it's preserving and seasoning. And we're in there. We don't want to be, we want to be in the world. Maybe you've heard this before. We want to be in the world, not of the world. We want to be out there loving other people. We don't want to be like everyone else, we may be loving them with the love that God has for them. But a lot of times I think we get held up and we think, we look at this world and think, it's evil. They don't believe what I believe. We look at people and we look at people maybe like they're in prison or they're drug addicts or they're living on the streets. And we look and we think, they deserve that. That's what they've earned. You know, that, that's what the life that they've chosen for themselves. And we think that maybe we're better than them. As if we've earned something different. Or maybe I don't want to give my money to that because I've earned my money. I worked hard for my money. I've worked hard for what I have. But I want to remind us what the Bible says, what God says about what we have to offer. It's in Romans chapter 3. Here's what God says about what we bring to the table with him. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one righteous. That's Romans chapter 3 verse 10. No one is righteous. 
Not one. I'm not righteous. You're not righteous. The only righteousness that you and I have is that which has been given to us by God as a gift. And a lot of times we look at this gift that God has given us. Wow, God has made us his, he's called us his righteousness. He has saved us out of sin and death. And now instead of being rejoicing, God, thank you for this righteousness. Thank you for what you've given me. We hold that over people's heads. God's blessing on us. We say, look at these other people. They're not righteous like me. Later in chapter 3, verse 23, I think most of us probably know this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Not just sinners have sinned. Not just bad people have sinned. Not just people who are in prison or whatever. Not just them. All have sinned. You and I have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is our nature. That is who we are. And apart from God's great love and grace and mercy on us, sinners, wicked people. That is how we are saved. And let's never have a low opinion of those who are still mired in their sin and don't know God. It's, it's like that good, the good, we all know the story of the Good Samaritan. There was a man, he was beaten by bandits, left to die on the road. And he's just down there. He's dying, he's bleeding. And there's a priest that walks by. And he sees the man and he doesn't help him. He just keeps walking. Maybe he didn't want to become ceremonially unclean. Maybe he just didn't want to mess with it. Maybe he was scared that the bandits would attack him. But he walked by. And the Levite comes, another man who's working in the temple, who works for God. And he sees the man and he walks by. Ugh, I don't want to deal with that. I'm not going to touch that right now. And, it's, and then the Samaritan, someone who's not even an Israelite, not even one of the people of God. And he runs to the man. He kneels down. He cares for him. He bandages his wounds. He takes him and puts him up in a hotel so that he can recover and covers all his expenses. And I think what happens a lot of times, we have the world. It's over here. It is sick. It's dying. We can all agree on that. You look and you read the news. It's horrible. We live in a place, it's horrible. There's all this nightmarish stuff happening all the time. But we look at that and we say, oh, better go to church, it's nicer there. You know, they have air conditioning, it's cool. You know, and I get to be people with, like me. And we, look, and we walk by the world. We reject this world and we say, you know what, it's not worth it. They're evil. We need to be like that Samaritan. We need to run and take care of this world that God has entrusted to us. Because God has sent us. Just like God sent the Israel's in, Israelites into exile in Babylon, in John chapter 17, we see that God has sent us into this world. And this is, Pastor Charles read this a couple weeks ago, and he didn't hone in on this part, which I was very grateful for because I want to talk about it too. In John chapter 17, verse 15, this is during the high priestly prayer, and Jesus is praying for his disciples and for you and for me, all of those who would follow him. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. Jesus doesn't want us to be off on our own, making our own like Christian community where we don't let anyone else in, we don't see the outside world. He doesn't want to take us out of the world, but he wants us to be protected from temptation. He wants us to be protected from our enemy, the evil one, Satan, the devil. Here's what he continues says, and says, They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We have been sent by the Lord Jesus himself into this world 
to seek its peace and prosperity, to love others and share the gospel with them. I was looking at Matthew 25. In Matthew, there's these people. It's a picture of the end of time where all of us will stand before God and be judged. And there will be, and Jesus will say, come, all of us who believe in him, come, come into my kingdom because when you saw me when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you came and cared for me. And we'll say to him, like, when did we see you, God? When did we see you, Jesus? When were you all these things? When were you sick and hungry and poor and in prison? And Jesus says, when you did this, anyone that you did to the least of these, the least of these, anyone who was in prison that you cared for, anyone who was sick and you loved them and treated them with respect and dignity, you did that to me. And then he'll turn to the others, those who are wicked, those who do not know God, and he'll say, depart from me, because when I was sick, hungry, thirsty, in prison, you did not care for me. And they'll ask the same. When did that happen, Jesus? When did we miss out on serving you? And he'll say, when you didn't, because you didn't do these to the least of these, my brethren, you did that to me. That was against me. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. There's an incredible importance that God puts on us serving the world and loving the world and loving others. I, was, um, I was, went to Biola University, and I got a Bible and theology degree, and I had a great time. But, of course, you have to check out a school before you go. And so I went down to go visit friends and see what it was all about. And I went to a, uh, a chapel. And there was a guy there, a pastor named Crawford Loritz. And you might remember his son, Brian Loritz. He came here a few years ago and preached. He's a great guy, an incredible preacher. And I just remember this sticking out so well. He was, we were in there, and he was talking about loving going out and ministering to others and not being in the kind of holy huddle, huddle, this Christian bubble we find ourselves in a lot of times. And he said, Christians are like manure, okay? When they are all just together, they have no purpose, they're not serving other people, they stink. <laughs> this is true, okay? But when you spread them around, they make things grow. And it was awesome. I was like, I am coming here, okay? <laughs> and it's true, though. We've all been in those situations where we're not serving, we're not loving other people, and it's just Christians together. And sometimes we, when we're just together hanging out and spending time together and not loving other people, we start to bicker about dumb things in the, in the Bible that aren't really of great importance. Or we start saying, like, well, you know, Ryan should be wearing a suit on stage or whatever it is, or he's too too formal. He should be wearing flip-flops or something. Or we start arguing about music or all these other things that are useless instead of going out and loving others. You've been a part of ministries where you've been serving other people and you've seen God change things. You've seen things grow. You've seen things transform. I've been a part of that. And it's incredible. That's what God has for us. He wants us to love, love, love the world. Serve others and share his gospel. Which brings us to the next point. Which is, of course, we want to serve. We need to be loving our neighbors and our enemies. But we also, as we do those things, as we serve, as we love, as we do nice things that benefit our society and our community, we need to tell them why. Why are you doing this? I mean, it's great. Community service is great. It's good. It's awesome. But it's way more powerful and meaningful if it's, I'm here because God sent me and I love you. I care about you, and Jesus died for you too. 
And he wants to forgive you and let, have you live with him forever. It needs to be accompanied with word and deed. Jesus was mighty in word and deed. Jesus calls us to go make disciples. That means we need to proclaim his kingdom. Proclaim. Jesus didn't just go up and heal people. You know, there's a paralytic guy, he heals him and he walks. Jesus didn't say, like, enjoy your legs, bye. He said, go and sin no more. The kingdom of God is upon you. He brought the gospel, and that's the same for us. But it's also, so it's not just, just community service, but it's also not just a bait and switch. Have you ever, you ever have telemarketers call you? And you look at your phone. I always get, uh, they call me my cell phone, and it always tells you, like, where the area code is from. And I think, I don't know anyone in Orlando. So I pick it up. You know, hello, uh, is your mom or dad there? Like, I'm the dad here, so. <laughs> you know, and then, oh, well, sorry. Uh, well, you know, are you ever concerned for the safety of your family? And I'm thinking, well, I'm really concerned that you're about to offer me a security system for my home. You know, you know, they telegraph it. It's right there. You're going to sell me something. I know it. It's not a bait and switch. People can kind of sniff it out on you if you're just serving them to check them off like a box. Like, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to share the gospel, and then I'm going to move on. That's not what we're about. That's not what Jesus was about. You think about him and the woman at the well. He cared for her. He met her needs. He loved her, and he shared the gospel with her. And the same needs to be true for us. If we're going and serving, it's not just a box we check. It's not like services in addition to telling people the gospel. Also, lo- also do a nice thing for them. No, we genuinely, truly love people. And we share, because we love them, we serve them. Because we love them, we share Jesus with them. We did a backpack giveaway right over here on the bricks in the Children's Ministry Center. And it was for children at Cherryland Elementary and Colonial Acres Elementary. And it was offered to children who are on a federally subsidized meal program because they do not have enough money to eat three meals a day. And so the schools provide them lunch. Those are the only kids we invited. And so we show up on a Saturday, and we're just giving them something simple. A backpack, binders, paper, colored pencils, all that good stuff, safety scissors. Over 700 children showed up. And I was like, this is amazing. We're giving them all this stuff. There was a barbecue. We were giving away clothes so they'd have back-to-school clothes and all that stuff. This is amazing. And then it dawned on me that it is amazing ministry, but it was also upsetting ministry that out of two elementary schools, there was over 700 that just showed up that couldn't afford what was probably $20, backpack and all the stuff inside, $20 worth of stuff. They're right there. Colonial Acres is like a mile away. Think about that. And we had a child. He was in line with his mom to get a hot dog. And he said, Mom, how are we going to eat? How are we going to get a hot dog? We don't have any money. And the mom turned to him and said, don't worry. It's free because there's still the good people in this world. And you think they came here to neighborhood church we loved them. We met their needs. $20 worth of school supplies. How much is a hot dog, you know, worth? Some free clothes that had been donated. We told them about Jesus. We invited them to be here at our church and be a part of our community because we love people. And they got that. They felt that. They heard that. 
so simple. So simple. And it's right here. Two elementary schools. Right in our backyard. Over 700 children who are in desperate need. It's amazing. Here's what, so when we look at people and we think, I'm better than them. I'm whatever. We're not, right? There's no one righteous, no, not one. All have sinned. And remember, we all know this verse. I don't know why I'm looking it up. It's John 3.16. We all know it. <laughs> I genuinely made that mistake both services. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Two key words in there. Love, world, that I see right there. God loved us before you were his, before you belonged to him, before you prayed a prayer and asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins. God loved you when you were wicked and you were evil and you opposed him. God loved you. God didn't love just some people, the good people, because we know there aren't any. God loved everyone so much that he sent his only son. And so when you're tempted to think that person deserves what they got, that person's in jail because they've earned it, that person's on the street because they've earned it, it's only by God's grace that you're not in their place. God loved you. God loves me. God loves everyone, and he wants people to experience his love. And you, all of us, we get to show God's love together, sharing the gospel, bringing peace and prosperity to our communities. Now, I want to tell you, there are benefits for us. There's a payoff here. I mean, obviously, it's good to love people. It's good to serve. But it's also beneficial for everyone, for us as well. You think about Salvation Army, one of our ministry partners. You have these guys that go in there, and they're broken. They're addicts. Their houses are a mess. There's divorce. There's heartbreak. There's all sorts of terrible things going on. They go into this ministry, Salvation Army. They hear the gospel. They get real, tangible help, a place to stay, meals, counseling, rehab, all those things. They graduate. They come to six. There's probably some right here, here today. They all come to 613. It's awesome. And they graduate from that program they're sober, they've heard the gospel, many of them have committed their lives to Jesus, they go home and begin the work of restoring what they'd torn down in their families. Now, of course, when someone's redeemed and, and brought to sobriety from a place of addiction, that's good for them, it's good for their family, but I think we'd all agree one more sober, able-bodied member of our society is good for everyone. It's good for everyone. We work with First Resort, a pregnancy, count, a pregnancy crisis center. And we have these young women, these moms, these potential mothers coming in, thinking of terminating their pregnancy. And we give them alternatives. We share Jesus with them. And we try to bring health and wholeness and restore. I mean, some of these women are desperate. Something horrible happened to them. And we love them. We don't shun them. If you went and volunteered at First Resort... You could literally save lives. And we, all can, we can all agree that terminating a pregnancy is not the ideal. It is the worst case scenario, no matter what you feel about abortion. It's not, the be it's not the answer that we're all looking for. And we see that and we say, that is good for everyone. That's good for everyone. We have cross streets taking care of people who are impoverished. That's good when we lift people out of poverty and give them tools 
That's good for everyone. That's not just good for them. That's good for us. That's good for everyone. Remember, did you hear that part in Jeremiah? It says, yeah, uh, also, seek the peace and prosperity. And then in 7, pray to the Lord for that city. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, I don't want us to be like, let's go serve it so it's like we make it a better world for me. But there's just a, that's a fringe bl- blessing that God gives. Hey, you serve me, you spread the gospel, it's going to make things better. It's good. It's good to serve. And so today, here's what I want. We have lots of ministry partners. I just wrote down a few of them. We got information for them out in Connection Center and the ministry centers. We have information online. You can call us. We can connect you. We have all sorts of things. We've got Shepherd's Gate, which works with abused women and children. That, that gives them a safe place to go if they have a household that is not safe. We have cross streets, of course, uh, for people who are living on the streets. We have City Team. An amazing new one that, again, is working with those who are impoverished. Check these out. They're amazing. Salvation Army First Resort. We have things going on at Cafe 4 that you can invite friends to. It's a great place to foster community and love and care for others. We have the performances. We just did Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Christmas, believe it or not, is going to be right around the corner. And we'll have a great performance that's good for our whole community. It's a great performance. And they get to hear the gospel. Now, and it would be wrong of me to come up here and not say, You could also work in children's ministry. (laughs) We have children and families that need to hear about Jesus. We have children. They're the next generation. How much more could, like, how much more valuable could you use your time than serving these kids and teaching them about who Jesus is so they can go and seek the peace and prosperity of their schools and later of their community that they find themselves in? This is the work that God has for us. Maybe your neighbors, your actual physical neighbors, those people. You know, remember Pastor Tyler Scott said, What if when Jesus said, love your neighbor, he meant your neighbor? (laughs) I love that. Because sometimes the neighbors are the people we forget. They're the people, right, just living next to us. Oh, hey, what's going on? Love them. Serve them. Maybe you can just change this to seek the peace and prosperity of your block. We have great ministry that we can have. God has rolled out the red carpet and says, look at all these things. I've just listed off a brief list. There is more than this that you can be a part of. And so today, remember... We must show God's love to a world that is starving without love. And so today, I want you, this week, I want you to go onto the website, go out to Connection Central, call me, I'll connect you, or or whatever, and I want to get you connected with a ministry that is preaching the gospel and bringing a great benefit to our community, seeking the peace and prosperity of Castor Valley, of San Lorenzo, San Leandro, Hayward, Oakland, wherever you are, Tri-Valley, And we spread the love and goodness of the gospel. And if you do that, I promise you, God will use you. God loves you. God loves the lost. He cares for us. He is our father. I want to show this picture um, of my son, Mason. It's pretty awesome. There he is. I get sad like that, too. Um, There's another one, which is less horrifying. There he is, being a cool dude. And we have a lot of parents in here and a lot of dads. And if you're like me, and I know all dads love this, uh, I love hugging my son. It's amazing. I live, I'll come home, right? When I leave, when I come home, and all the time, whenever I'm around him, I get down to me and say, Mason, give dad a hug and kiss. And he runs up to me, and he hugs me, and he gives me little kisses. They're adorable. And sometimes, like, you pick him up, and you hold him, and he, like, nestles his head right here, and he, like, snuggles up. I mean, that's what it's all about. 
I mean, this is amazing. And I love Mason. I love him. I would do anything for him. But God loves us so much more. God loves Mason so much more than I can ever hope to love him. And I'm kind of obliged to love him too. He's my son. He's my flesh and blood. But God, even when we were still sinners, sent his son Jesus to die for us. He loved us even though we were wicked and we had rejected him. God loves us. God loves us. He loves the world so much that he gave his only son. And maybe today you're sitting there and you've experienced God's love too. And you've never entered into that relationship with him. I invite you to pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins and to be the Lord of your life. You can come pray with myself or in the prayer room. We have a lot of people that love to pray for you. Maybe you need to pray and ask God, where do I need to go serve? How can I seek the peace and prosperity of my community? How can I share the gospel with those around me? Pray about that too. Let God reveal that to you. And also, I'm going to actually invite the ushers to come forward in a moment. We're going to receive a benevolence offering. And this is a tangible way that we also show our love to this community for people who are in need, maybe don't ha haven't had a job in a while, and we can love them and care for them in a tangible way. God loves us. God loves us like a father loves a son. We have a good God. Let's go out there and serve him. He has sent us into this world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have sent us. Lord, we thank you that, you, that even though we are not of this world, we are different, we are distinct, you have put us here to show and demonstrate your love. Lord, help us to remember that no one is righteous, that we are not righteous apart from you. And God, that we'd help and love and care for those who still need to hear about you, who still need to give their lives to you. Lord, be with us and bless this offering. Bless the ministry that's going to happen as a result of what you've done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.